Welcome to the Lancaster Patriot Podcast. My name is Chris Hume, the managing editor of the Lancaster Patriot, and I'm joined today by Joel Saint, pastor of Independence Reformed Bible Church. Joel, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So today we're going to talk about taxation. Before we do that, though, Joel, uh, there's an event coming up uh, with the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society on December 7th, I believe. Uh, can you just kind of give us a, a brief overview of what that event is in, about? Indeed I can. The title of it is Republic, Democracy, or Theocracy. Okay. And we are going to discuss the merits of each. Uh, joining me will be another pastor, Pastor Matt Kenneser of uh, St. John's Reformed Church. And we'll both take about 20, 25 minutes each to talk about what system is actually not best, because we all, we all can do, you know, argue about what's best. We're going to talk about which system is God-ordained, and which system is actually sanctioned and approved by Christ and His Word. So that's what we're going to be discussing at that point. Okay, and this is uh, Wednesday, December 7th? Yes. In Quarryville? In Quarryville. Right, meeting at the uh, Nickel Mine Floor Covering. Nickel Mine Floor Covering okay. in Quarryville. Okay. Yep, 7 o'clock. Uh, registration while you're there, okay. but there's no, there's definitely no charge. Love to see you, and this is an important topic because we will be discussing the fact that, you know, Chris, some folks think that any change is a good change, mm -hmm. but if it's not a change towards God and His law word, it's going to be another fail. Right. And so that is what we will be discussing uh, on that evening. Sounds interesting for sure, and I think there's more information about that. Would it be at futureofchristendom.org? It would be at, um, oh, we have, uh, it would be at thinkingreform.org. Okay. I think it might also be at. It might, I think it might also be at Future of yeah. Christendom. We'll put a link down here in the description yeah. with some okay, more information for that, uh, for that event. Yeah, thanks so for be that. sure to check it out uh, December 7th down in Quarryville. Speaking of flooring, our episode today is brought to you by Heritage Floors. At Heritage Floors, they can help you create the home of your dreams with shades, carpet, area rugs, specialty flooring, and more. I've mentioned them several times on this podcast. Whether you're looking to do it yourself or have them do the installation for your floors, Heritage Floors is the way to go. They offer you the quality that your home deserves at a small town shop, but they can compete with the big brand prices. So visit Heritage Floors at 60 North Ronks Road in Ronks or go to heritagefloorspa.com. Again, that's Heritage Floors for all your flooring needs. All right, Joel, taxation, and let's start with this story here locally. The Lancaster City Mayor has proposed a tax hike, a property tax hike. So Lancaster Mayor Deneen Soros announced uh, during the November 22nd City Council meeting that she is proposing an 8% property tax hike for the 2023 budget for the city. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about this, and then we're going to get into this topic of taxation today. Uh, I'm sure there's more that we can cover uh, that we might have to uh, do another time as well. But uh, the mayor of Lancaster, she said this, she said, quote, after four years of not raising taxes, the longest duration with no tax increase since at least 2006, I am bringing a budget with a proposed tax increase of 8%. Okay, so the, the budget uh, property tax is going up. Now, a couple things she mentioned, I listened to her speech that she gave at the city council meeting. She said that property taxes constitute the city's largest source of revenue, okay, which is an interesting way to, to I know we use that term with, with governments, but when I think of revenue, I'm thinking, okay, you're, you're providing a service and you're getting paid for it. Now, there's going to be a, a small part of that, which we'll talk about as well, that she sees the government's role as to provide services, but... Um, of course, this is 
forced taxation. So the largest source of revenue uh, is the property tax. And yet, she says, it's unable to cover the cost for what she calls public safety, police, and fire, the largest expense for the city. So I want to talk about those things briefly today. We have the city of Lancaster raising the property tax. We have it being done because at least one of the main reasons here, as far as the need for it, is that we need public safety. So we need the state to be providing the police and the fire, and we need to fund that. Now we're going to get into something, one of the reasons why she says, well, we, we only, the only option we have is to raise the property tax because of these laws put in place that I'll talk about briefly. So a couple more things here, Joel, that I want to bring you in, then we can come back to some of these numbers here. So basically, the mayor is saying that there's no other way for her to raise revenue, increase revenue, other than the property tax, because of a law from 1965, uh, the, the General Assembly, she says we need to change this law in order to, or these regulations, in order to uh, give her more freedom to increase taxation via other routes. Okay, so there's a, uh, <clears throat> and she referenced this report in her talk, there's a, a city, uh, Pittston, Pittston, Pennsylvania, and they have been able to, through something called home rule, they've been able to, to wiggle around this and say, okay, well, we can actually increase other areas of taxation, namely the earned income tax. So this is what uh, Mayor Lombardo of Pittston said. He said, we've gotten no pushback at all on our earned income tax increase. It's not noticed. I do question that. I mean, you're increasing the taxation via another means, and I get we could talk about maybe some of the benefits of an income tax as opposed to property tax. I think we might have an issue with both. But what we have here is basically the Lancaster City Mayor saying, I've done all I can. I have to raise property taxes. I have no other option or else, you know, we are not going to be able to fund public safety. So let's just start. What are your initial reactions to this, Joel? And then we can get into some of the details. There seem to be, I'm intrigued by this, public safety, right? Fire and police. You know, when it comes tax raising time, what politicians seem to do, in my experience, there's only three reasons ever to raise taxes. Fire, police, or public safety, and roads. So, of course, all this money is, is going to those three, right? But I notice there's all kinds of other programs. My word, uh, programs for the homeless, programs for the mentally challenged, Obviously, schools, all these kinds of things. Now, sometimes I do talk about school taxes and we need to raise them uh, and so forth. But generally speaking, they appeal to people's sense of safety, a uh, little bit of sense of fear. Oh, man, uh, I'm not going to have enough money for the police. Well, I seem to remember 2020 when it's time to defund the police in a lot of other cities, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know that that was, uh, course, was raised here in Lancaster. I, I can't recall necessarily. But do you think, Chris, that in all those cities where there were these... Uh, calls to defund the police. Do you think everybody got maybe a, a, a tax break on that, right? Well, we're defunding the police. Uh, where it's going to save us a lot of money. No, it just went into something else. So first of all, I don't believe, I don't, frankly, Chris, I don't believe that half this money is going to go to the fire and, and, and police and so forth. But, but that's another question entirely as far as I'm concerned because fire, uh, you know, is it, is it really the uh, job of the state to support fire companies? Let me ask you this. Or, or even have fire protection. Uh, why not all kinds of other protection? But that's what we're getting more and more from the state. Fire companies were originally started by 
volunteer. They were volunteer. They were private people and raised their money from the people whose homes they worked to protect. Sure enough, once again, we get the state involved because the very people that invented it, private people, this happens all the time, they're not, they, they don't do as good a job as the state could do. So, so, so consider this, right? It's private people that come up with the idea of a fire, fire protection to begin with, right? The state, people say, who never even thought of it, right. now they know how to run it. They can do it better. They, they do a better job, right? Yeah. And sure enough, they need more and more and more money. Right. Wouldn't it be a lot better if we just stuck with a volunteer system for the fire? Talk about the police here in a moment. Wouldn't that be so much better? The people would be so much happier. Hey, you know what? And they could then, it'd be much closer to them. Like, okay, you really do need another truck? Okay, what? Okay, try to raise some money for it. And the people that you're to protect will decide if you need another truck or if sitting around the firehouse, you need something else to polish. Here's the thing. If we're talking about production, and I'm off the track here a little bit, but here's the thing. How productive are firefighters when there's no fire? But in a volunteer system, you're productive unless there's a fire. And so, so the production level of the volunteer companies, he's like, oh, the state's doing it. It's going to be much better. No, it's going to be worse. Because now you're taking productive people, people that could be productive in a job where you're actually working, like what happened with the volunteer fire companies, and you're making them productive, which doesn't happen if there's no fires. I mean, think th think about the situation you're in, right? If there's no fires with, with a state-sponsored method, mm -hmm. then everybody's unproductive. Mm -hmm. The only way they can be productive, think about it, is if somebody's place is burning down. Right. So, th but this this is not going to be the last time. They're just going to need more and more and more and more. Right. Now, <clears throat> budget does allocate a lot of money to police and fire. Now, some of that, of course, we could get into and say, is it, is it being well spent, quote unquote. But the, the money is going primarily to those things. I want to give you the numbers. $42.5 million for public safety in this proposed budget. Okay. $29.4 million for police and $13.1 million for fire. Okay. So that is a lot of money. And that's, that goes to a point that the proposed... Uh, revenue for for tax for property tax is 32.2 million so the 32.2 million with the increase this is with the increase it's going to be 32.2 million dollars coming from property taxes in the city of Lancaster and that is about 10 million less than the public safety expense so a lot of money being spent on police and fire. And to your point on the fact of productivity, and this just came out, the state police, and I know that's not city police, but just as an example, the state police just released their Thanksgiving week report. And yeah, there were some crashes, uh, two fatalities, but a lot of it was, hey, here are all the citations and all the, the, the things we've, we've issued for not wearing a seatbelt. And that's what, when the police now, when you're, when you're giving millions and millions of dollars to the police, instead of punishing evil, what do they have to start doing? Well, we're going to start fining people for doing something that's not evil, right. but it just we've made a rule and now we're going to make you pay for it. So the fire department can't really do that, but the police can. Well, maybe some fire departments do. If you don't, if your house isn't up to code, we'll get the city inspector and we'll have you fine it. But indirectly, fire department. But the police—that is what they have become—an enforcement agency, not an agency that's generally dealing with.
you know, punishing evil. Now, we're going to even talk about the police. And should that be a, a public thing uh, if, if we have some time today? But so here we have $42.5 million going to public safety and the tax uh, from real estate property is still not able to cover it. Yeah. So what the mayor would like to do uh, from all everything I can understand here is have more tax increase, but in other areas, mm -hmm. which now I get, you know, people could say, well, I prefer an income tax over a property tax. And a couple of the reasons people give are, well, the older people that are living in their home and no longer working, that's not going to be hitting them, which I get that. I understand it. And I think some other people might say, well, the income tax is easy, easier to avoid uh, than a property tax. But at any rate, it's still forced taxation. And the best that these mayors and, and politicians are doing is saying, well, we just need more freedom. I mean, that's what I put. We need more freedom to tax you in different ways. That'll solve the problem. Right, right. Yeah, we, we uh, you know, this, this hypodermic needle sucking out of your blood is too obvious. Can we, can we sneak around some other way? Uh, I, I, I think of uh, my dentist, right? You're going to feel some pressure in your gum, right? No, it's pain. <laughs> it's a needle. That's a, you're going to, taxpayer, you're going to feel a little pressure. No, it's pain. It's another hypodermic needle stuck, sucking the blood right out of you or whatever. But I, I want to talk briefly about the um, idea of, uh, I, I mean, w when, when the mayor was speaking there, was she saying like, uh, hey, you know, houses are burning down that shouldn't be burning down? Uh, what, what, what's the justification for, for raising uh, more revenue? So... <clears throat> Because the because I think inflation was cited and, and raising costs, the city oh. views their role as providing these services. So the result for Lancaster, I think her analysis has been we've had to cut services, service cuts and property taxes. What kind of service cuts? Well, that I'm not sure exactly. But, I mean, we'll look at they're raising the prices for services like water and sewer and things like that. Now, I don't know exactly all these things, but I think generally speaking, the idea here is Things are not going well financially, and her argument is Lancaster has done a better job than other cities. They haven't had to declare bankruptcy, and, and things are still maybe decent, but her argument is it's, it's not a good trajectory. We've had to increase property tax, and we've had to have service cuts, mm -hmm. and we're not going in a good direction. And her, her kind of solution is the General Assembly needs to free these cities up to have more freedom to tax in what, what ways they think are going to be best. Mm -hmm. In order to what continue this state, the city, the, the, you know, this condition of providing these services, it's really the welfare state in, mm -hmm. in the city. It's you know we need forty two million dollars for public safety, uh, fourteen million for administration fees, one point eight million for the executive department, the office of the mayor, city solicitor, and things like that. We need all this money in order to provide you the services you need. In fact, the, the closing statement she made was, we will continue to do our level best to provide the highest level of service to our residents and customers at a reasonable cost. So again, customers, customers. revenue, like you get this, like the, yeah. gov the government has now become, you know, we're, we're gonna provide for you, we're gonna give you the services you need, and we're gonna make you pay for it. Which when you talk about customers, right, I, I, my, thought, maybe this is naive of me, but a customer is someone who voluntarily chooses to purchase that. That's what I thought it was. Right. So, so to answer your question, generally speaking, I think that's why they need more money to provide these services that, quite frankly, the people might want. Because the people might say, you know what, we want these taxes. And maybe that's to, to the mayor of Pittston's point that 
Now, people don't care if you increase our taxation, keep giving us these services. Sure. So. Well, that's also happened with our last um, uh, gas tax increase here a few years ago. I mean, it was like, uh, hey, just come sneak it in there. You know, it's really nice when you're in the tax uh, collecting business to have fluctuating prices at the gas pump. Because if, if prices are fluctuating that month, you can, you know, or month to month or whatever, just look for the right time, sneak in a, you know, a five, ten cent a gallon gas tax. And people just think, well, that's just the price fluctuation. Mm -hmm. So uh, it sounds like the mayor of Pittston is saying, listen, we really got to figure it out here. We figured out how to raise taxes on people, and they don't know. See, the problem is not we're raising taxes. Right. The problem is they figure it out. Right. It's not noticed. Yeah. That's the key. <laughs> yeah, that's if right. people don't notice it, yeah, yeah. who cares? Yeah. So, all right, I want to talk about one other thing she said here. She talked about grants, which was interesting to me because we talk about grants, and we're talking about federal grants. Maybe there's some state grants, but this is money that is coming from taxation. Anyway, whether it's taxation directly or indirectly through uh, debasing the currency and inflation and things like that. So that's not a bright spot. She said that's one of the, the she called it a phenomenal bright spot, the grants that the city has received. And so she said she, the city plans to, to continue to apply for more grants in order to offset ostensibly these you know, expenses. However, I mean, two huge problems with that, number one, that's kind of perpetuating this, this indirect taxation from the federal or the state level, which we're still going to be, that, that's not a benefit. It's not a net benefit. And number two, with these grants, probably a lot of them have stipulations. So you can use this grant for this. So for example, um, I'm going to see if I can find it here, but some of, oh, here it is. One grant to hire a health and housing social services case manager. So we're going to take this grant money and it's not going to actually reduce the taxation and the argument might be well the grant doesn't allow us to do that well, be that as it may here's the grant we're taking this money that is a taxation indirectly and people don't see it again eh, they don't notice it who cares but we're going to use that money now to hire a health and housing social services case manager what in the world do we need the government doing that for but oh this is a great great win because we're getting this money for free and we're going to use it to provide you with more services how about we can hire at least one bureaucrat and that bureaucrat's going to need a staff here soon and I don't know, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Chris, and say that um, they're going to need a whole lot more money for that <laughs> eventually. Right, right. We just had a brief power outage there. Let me make sure we're still good. Okay. All right, so yeah, so okay, here's, here's the grant, you know, hire this other person. And as you mentioned, yeah, usually these offices carry with them additional fees, whether that one does or not remains to be seen. Um, but so again, I'll go on a limb here and say, well, in 10 years from now, the, what is it, Office of it's Social a, it's a, it's Services? It's a case manager, Health and Housing Social Services case manager. I'm going to be out on a limb here and say, 10 years from now, we're going to need a lot more money than they're getting now. All right, some other things that the grants are going to do, create a comprehensive parks master plan, uh, provide Love Your Block grants to fuel neighborhood engagement, invest in making over 700 homes lead safe in the south of the city, provide electric bikes for our police officers. Oh, well, that's, that's what we need. Yeah, you know? yeah. if, we, if our police officers can just have electric bikes, yeah. then we'll be much safer. I'm going to feel so much safer every time I come into Lancaster City. In fact, just today, I, saw, I said, where's your electric bike? I, right. I, I am so unsafe here. I'm scared. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about police now um, in our time here. Let's, let's go to police a little bit, yeah. and then I want to come back to, to taxation in general. Um, <clears throat> So, you know, actually, let's start, let's start with, 
What do you want? Do you want to start with police or do you want to start with doesn't taxation? matter to me. Which whichever one. Both are important. Both All are right. critical. All right, let's let's do police. Okay. So the police again budget twenty nine point four million dollars uh, for the police in Lancaster City. Again, this that that is the single most uh, expensive you know expense. That's the greatest expense I should say in on the budget. Twenty nine point four million dollars for police. All right. Second to that would be uh, fire. Now, administration services comes in at 14.3, which is a little bit over fire. But as far as a single category, uh, fire seems to be second. So police is number one, $29.4 million. Now, what would the, should we even have, Joel, a, and maybe, you know, we don't have time to get into this too much. Should we have a police department funded with forced taxation? And this will take us into the other thing with taxation. But let's, let's just say... What 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 do we need police for, and what are they doing? Like, yeah. what, what's what's your view of police in general? Yeah, um, state sponsored, state funded police with forced taxation—that's a problem because forced taxation itself is a problem according to the scriptures. We do not see forced taxation anywhere under God's law. Now we see it with pagan rulers all the time. Uh, you can look in Ezra, you can look in Nehemiah, and you can see uh, the Book of Daniel talks about it. Forced, ta forced taxation. Forced taxation is theft. It doesn't matter if it's a, uh, um, a duly elected government or not. The, the, the civil magistrate has no authority in the scriptures to force people to pay money, except for what's called a, a, a temple tax, perhaps. Um, and even then, that's in Exodus 30, verse 13, even in that case, Chris, there's no penalty for it. Okay. So e even there, you can argue, well, that, that's a forced tax. Yeah, but there's no penalty. Right. So if a person couldn't pay it or whatever, there's no, and, and, and certainly in, in, in the scriptures, where we have law, we often have penalties. Sometimes we have law without penalties. So there could easily have been a penalty for it. Hey, whoever doesn't pay the tax, uh, take his stuff, throw him in jail, debtor's prison, whatever. There's no penalty. So let's let's understand that uh, first of all. But now, as far as the police are concerned, what are they there to do? Well, a lot of times their uh, their their slogan says to protect and serve, right? To protect what, or to protect who? I would like to think that that is um, law-abiding citizens, people who are not uh, stealing and murdering their neighbors, right? Uh, serve. That is a little bit more um, obscure to me. Serve. Does that mean I don't know? Uh, Provide a Santa Claus on the fire truck uh, at Christmas time. I'm not. I'm not sure. What, I'm not sure what the serve part, the protect part. I get, but it's part of a larger problem, Chris. Because Romans 13, the scriptures throughout, they talk about the job of the state is a protection job, not a provision job. And the more the state gets involved in the provision services, the less adequate they are in the protection services. Let me stop you there for a second, because when we look at um, the Romans 13, 1 Peter, right, that the role of civil government is to punish evildoers, yep. right? Protection, I think, takes us into another category. So I want to push back and see okay. if you agree with me on this. In, in, in a free society, in a biblical society, who is responsible for protecting okay. yes. you know, the life and property? You know, who's responsible in, in my family? Who's responsible for protecting my wife and children? Right. I would say it's my responsibility. Right. Now, if if 
we have also community hopefully my neighbor would view that as an extension of their responsibility that if they see someone attacking my wife and children that they would be willing to help and i would do the same for my neighbor um you know that would be a, a key principle of loving my neighbor if someone comes in and is is attacking him or his property uh you know i would respond with appropriate you know appropriate force so we have come to accept the idea that well this that the police are here to protect us and that leads to then what does it lead to we shouldn't have guns we shouldn't protect our, ourselves and our property. Let the state do it. And in a biblical society, would you agree that actually the protection, would, the responsibility of protection falls on the people? Yeah. And, and if you have businesses, private protection, private security, uh, and then the role of the, of the government would be if there is an infringement on that. If someone does come in and steal, if someone does assault, mm -hmm. if someone does murder, then the civil, the civil magistrate punishes the evildoer. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the... The aspect of protection there is simply Ecclesiastes mm -hmm. 8, I believe, that when a, the sentence against an evil deed is not carried out quickly, the heart of children of men is set to do evil continually. So the, the state protects by punishing evil. Right. So would right. you agree that, yeah. well, really, do we, need, do we need police out there to protect us? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So let me, let me address that. Uh, on my way over here, um, there was an accident. And uh, knocked out some of some electricity, right? Yeah, we've been experiencing two yeah. power outages, two brief power outages yeah. already. I think that's probably connect with that. Okay, I was just kind of intrigued because I went through a, um, I, I, I went through a, a an intersection where the traffic light was out. Okay. Okay. You had two police officers there, and I couldn't help but think, do we really need two police officers here to direct traffic? Mm -hmm. um, and then I thought, do we really need one? Have when a, when a traffic light goes out, is it like crashes and accidents everywhere? No. People like stop. They, they treat it like a four-way stop sign. So we have the same issue with police officers. How many times have we seen a police officer, you know, just sitting in his car with the lights on, right? And that's it. I mean, we could have like had like a, you know, a, a robot for Pete's sake. Be a lot, be a lot cheaper. I want to talk about the protection though, because you mentioned that, which I, I want to talk about that. Um, Job, um, the book of Job, in verses, chapters 29 and 31, talk about his role as a civil magistrate. Now, he was, first of all, a businessman, but he spent his time at the gate and he doled out justice. He, you know, he says the blessing of a perishing man came on, came on me. Mm -hmm. That he would hear the cause of the widow and the fatherless. He would hear their cause. And so in that sense, that is the job of what I'm going to say, a, a, a constable. Now, we have the police force, and we say to ourselves, oh my goodness, what's good we have two police officers, otherwise we'd all be crashing here at this intersection, right? That's, that's the way we think. But there's a couple things we're missing here. First of all, there was a time when we didn't have police forces, and not to the extent that we have now. For example, um, uh, you know, we don't know what it's like to live without the Pennsylvania State Police, right? Mm -hmm. it's, good, it's good we have them. Well, for a long time before the Pennsylvania Turnpike existed, we did not have Pennsylvania State Police. Was there crime everywhere? No, I would, uh, I, I would bet the farm that there was far less crime at that time. So the police, so, so here we have the Pennsylvania State Police. Their initial job was to, patro was to patrol the Pennsylvania Turnpike, but it just expanded, expanded, expanded. What I'm arguing for in, in, in terms of protection is private force that is, again, uh, productive most of the time. When we need them to arrest someone, you've, it used to be the constable who would do that. 
and bring the person in for a trial. That's the way that it was. And so you had productive people like Job. Job is an example of a man of business who was very productive and who knew how to help his neighbor. And frankly, um, the productive people are oftentimes the ones who are best at justice and, and certainly helping their neighbor. So yes, so you are dead on. Protection simply means the ability to bring justice to the situation. That's what protection is. We don't need them to tell me to, uh, I, I, I remember years ago, Montana decided to get rid of the speed limits, right? And on their, on their interstate. And there was all this talk, I remember reading the editorials, oh, Montana's now have the option to get killed, you know, this kind of stuff, right? Oh, you know what happened? Nothing. Right. Right. Yeah, so, and, and I didn't get the numbers here, but if we broke it down, we could look at, okay, here's $29.4 million, here's all the things it's going to within the police department. And again, do, we don't need the police to protect us unless we give up our responsibility to protect ourselves. Yeah, and I want to address that because the first, you're talking about protecting your family. What, what we see happening is the more the state gets into that protection business will protect, then the less options you have to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Have to get a license to, to, to exercise your Second Amendment right. And also your, uh, your, your, your right under the Pennsylvania Constitution, the right uh, of the, the, the people to keep and bear arms shall not be questioned. That's in our Pennsylvania Constitution. And you gotta get a license. Right. So while they're in the protection business for your family, they take away your ability to protect your family. And if you're, if you're a criminal and you, all you wanna do is steal, kill, and destroy, which would be better for you? A situation where the general population bears and, and feels a responsibility to protect themselves, their family, their neighbors, the weak in the society, and are prepared to do so, or a situation where you have a police department that is struggling for funding and always constantly needing more money, which, which one is better for the criminal? I got an idea. How about this? If we're gonna do all this money, how about if we get a good deal on firearms and pass them out to every homeowner in Lancaster City? How's that? Here's why I say that. I've read on multiple occasions the criminals, when they're honest, already in jail, serving their sentence, will say, would you rather run into a police officer in the, uh, as you're committing the crime? Or would you rather run, run into a homeowner, mm -hmm. an armed homeowner? Right. You know, you know the choices? They'd rather have a police officer. Right. So, I mean, we, if we're really serious about crime, we should, like, seriously, we should stop, like, right there. Stop. Hold everything. Before we go any further, let's figure out why a criminal would rather run into a police officer than a homeowner in the commission of a crime. Right. Yeah. Yeah, very telling. I think we're going to have to come back to the police thing because we're running out of time. Yes. That, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's, a, that, that's a huge part of this. And the reason we need more taxation, whether it's property tax or if the mayor gets the way she wants and she can tax us in a way that we don't notice, as the mayor of Pittston said, in any case, we need more money from you, Joel, uh, or the citizens of Lancaster City, uh, in order to protect you. I mean, that's the bottom right. line. Because the, the $29.4 million is the biggest part of the budget. So... We need your money to protect you. Like, yeah. so, and the people are, I mean, they just keep falling for it. Yeah, you need to protect us. Yeah, we're not safe without you. Yeah. So they go for I got to say, too, you're, you're going to tax property. Uh, that's already been tried in Reading. 
you know, a, a, a neighboring city, and Reading is a complete disaster. They've, they've taxed out all of the productive uh, businesses, right. and they're just in constant, constant turmoil uh, money-wise. It sounds like Lancaster wants to go down the same path. Yeah, you tax the homeowners, you tax the businesses. Uh, businesses have If business is prospering and, and businesses have money, they're going to protect their own property. Yeah. You're going to have security guards. Yeah. You're not going to have rampant crime if you have citizens who are responsible and business owners who are responsible. Uh, if you give that all over to the state, it, it's going to be a disaster. So we have a brief amount of time left, Joel. Let's go back to you. Started to talk about a taxation. Yes. Okay, taxation. Because people are going to say, well, we, we, gotta, we need taxes because we need all these things. And I think we've tried to address the fact that we actually don't need these services. Mm -hmm. We don't need the, the police and the fire to be funded mm -hmm. by forced taxation and to be run by the state. It would be much better if it was private at any rate. So let's talk briefly about taxation. Okay, biblically, you, you, you've mentioned it, so I want to read something here. This is actually from your son's book, Luke Saint. So we'll see if you agree with your son. Or okay. Not. Let's, okay. So let's, let's see if he knows what he's talking about. This is on taxation, and this is kind of what you said. So I think you agree with this part for sure. In a theocracy, there is no penalty for not paying taxes. The Bible lists no such crime or punishment, nor is there a body of legislators to create a new law that says as much. People are free to give or not give just like the tithe, if God does not list a penalty for withholding the tithe, something to which he has more of a claim than Caesar has for taxes, then for men to speak where God has not spoken is wicked. I want to read one other part, but there he's kind of saying what I think you've mentioned before, that there's no penalty attached to this. Uh, he also says here, an objection to, the, to God's idea of how taxation should operate is that many people would simply not pay. Okay, so if people say, well, if taxation uh, isn't forced by the state, Nobody's going to pay. And I think, based on some of the other stuff we said, well, it seems like people have paid in the past for non-government forced, quote-unquote, services. But he says this only a comment. An objection is people won't pay. Good. This would then be a reflection of the prevailing attitude. A righteous citizenry should not support a wicked government and must always have that option. Likewise, a wicked population will, by nature, deny a righteous government its appropriate funding and therefore does not deserve justice if it is unwilling to institute it according to God's perfect design. So if you have a, a society where people say, the government is limited to enforcing God's law, and we're asking you to contribute to this limited purpose, and people say, no, I don't want that, then basically kind of the judgment on their own head is, well, then we are, we are not able to punish evildoers. So I want you to comment on that, bringing it back to the idea of, should the state forced taxation, and what could, would it look like if people actually wanted to follow the Bible? Yeah. Certainly, if you're following the Bible, you cannot have forced taxation. You, you, you just can't. I mean, th think, of, think of it. You know, um, I have to pay property taxes on my house, right? And we know why I have to pay, pay property taxes. It's for the children, don't you know? For the children. Right. Right? For the children, Joel. How can you possibly uh, be against the children? Well, um... What's going to happen if I don't pay my property taxes for the children? Then Joel's children are going to be tossed right out on the street. What hypocrisy is this? Right. But it's all based on forced taxation. Now, think, think about this. Think about the fact that, that, that and, and I think any bureaucrat, even elected official, would say, yeah, we have to force people to pay taxes, mm -hmm. otherwise they wouldn't pay. Right. Well, what does that tell you about your tax program then? Shouldn't that tell you something? You know, people spend money on things they value every day, right? Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a you know, fast food or whether it's a tool or a car. Yeah, insurance, 
even perhaps home security? Yes, all the time they do. They pay for it if they see value in it. You are admitting, if you say we have to force, we have to punish people for not paying us, you are admitting that people do not see value in it. And I'll tell you what, um, people would pay for something to see value. People, oh, they're not going to pay for it. If they see value, they would. How many times, Chris, uh, have people, you know, like, even they're, they're, get, they're getting their lights taxed out of them uh, for, the, for, you know, for school taxes and so forth, right? And then, and then somebody shows up their door, hey, you know what? The girls' field hockey teams needs uniforms, right? right? And don't these people that are already paying through the nose, right. reach in their pocket and pay even more. Right. So don't tell me people wouldn't pay for it if they see value. Right. Yeah, yeah, and, and again, we're focusing mainly on the police part here because we're not going to have time to get into the small portion of, okay, well, we're paying for these services of water and sewer, and, and again, that shouldn't be something done by the city at this point, the way it's been structured. It's very hard to get away from that. I think it could happen, but first people would have to have that, that change of mindset, but primarily the money is going to the police. And if people valued that, right, and said, well, yeah, you're, you're making us much safer, uh, they pay for it freely. So forced taxation... Uh, is a, a curse. And I want to read briefly from 1 Samuel 8 when the people rejected what God had set up for them and said, we want a king like the nations. One of uh, Samuel, uh, Samuel's uh, warnings to them was, okay, there's going to be taxation, right? There's going to be a, a forced uh, repossession of your labor. And he says, he will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and your olive groves and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. So here we have the office of the mayor, the city solicitor, Department of Neighborhood Engagement. I didn't even Department of Neighborhood Engagement, $469,000. How, how do I get that job? <laughs> Lancaster Office of Promotion, City Council, uh, City Clerk. So these are the these are the officers. These are the servants. Wait, wait, I'm, I'm stuck on that. Officer of what? Neighborhood Engagement? Department of Neighborhood Engagement, yeah. Almost half a million dollars, almost for for that department. Yeah, that's we need that. So, um, so th this is this is when, when you when you abandon Christ's plan for the nations and you adopt uh, this welfare state where we need the state to protect us, we need the state to provide for us, we need the state to give us all the services that that they that the private sector can't provide because all these greedy capitalists over there would never come up with a system for water or sewer on their own unless the state did it. So we, we need the state and then these, these, this is a judgment that, well, you are going to, you're going to, you're going to feel the pain. And so that's what we have in, in Lancaster City. Um, and again, you know, we could say, well, the mayor is working with what she has and in some sense she is. We have to step back and say, okay, what got us here? How do we get out of this mess? And it has to start with our mind being changed, right? Our mind being renewed by the Word of God. That what should the state be doing? Do should should we be forced to pay for the state to protect us? And then and, and then I mean these are the arguments. And I know this episode is not about second you know Second Amendment and things like that. But you've mentioned it a little bit. But then these are the arguments that people make. Well, what need do you have for this type of weapon? The police need it. What need do you have? Well, yeah, once you say, well, yeah, you now are responsible for protecting me, then you can make that argument. You don't need the gun, but the police does. So, so much to this, Joel. We're going to have to wrap it up here. Um, I think we've covered at least some of the essential components of this. That, you know, the mayor came forward and, you know, she was very, 
if you listen to her speech, you know, she wasn't excited about uh, having to increase the property tax. She kind of directed it all on, well, the General Assembly, they're not allowing us the freedom to tax you in different ways. So this is all I can do, guys. I'm sorry. Like, we have to fund the police and fire department. So this hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Yeah. So, um, but underneath that is a secular humanist uh, mindset that says, you know, the government's job is to protect you and provide for you. Yeah. As opposed to biblically, it says the people, the, the family and the business, their job is to protect and provide. And the state's limited role is to punish evildoers and praise those who do good. And that's it. So uh, we have here really an outworking of an abandonment of the biblical view of, of civil government. So final word on taxation, and we're done for today. Well, you just read from 1 Samuel 8 um, there. Uh, it, it, it's also addressed in here in um, Amos 5.11, yes. Therefore, because you tread down the poor and take grain taxes from him, though you have built houses of hewn stone, you shall not dwell in them. You have planted uh, pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink wine from them. Now, where did the money come from for these great houses and these beautiful vineyards? They came from grain taxes on people, uh, e even, even poor people. The Bible has so much to say about taxes, we even, we've touched very little of it. My challenge today would be for pastors. This is what I want to say. Pastors, the Bible talks about these things. Start talking about it. Start preaching it from the pulpit. Don't just say, hey, you know what, uh, we'll leave that over to the government. To the, to, do these people fear God? Um, you, as a pastor, it's your responsibility to preach the whole counsel of God. And the whole counsel of God definitely addresses the political and social sphere. Now, if it didn't, we would have no business talking about it. But it does. Pastor, are you going to preach the whole counsel of God? Or are you going to limit your sermons to what the people want to hear? You know what? We're in a mess right now. And you're partly to blame if you are not preaching the whole counsel of God. And that's what I want to say. Well said. Yeah. I mean, the professing church has really just kind of gone along with this idea that we, we need the government, the city government, the county government, the state government, the federal government to do all these things for us or else yeah, it won't get done. And so now, you know, tax us, take away our rights, take away our responsibility too. I mean, that's something people don't, like, We, if people don't want the responsibility, they're giving up their freedom. And when we say, well, I don't want the responsibility to protect myself, you do it, uh, we don't realize the consequences are gonna come from that. So, Joel, thank you so much for your time. Again, Joel Saint, pastor of Independence Reform Bible Church. For more information, go to irbc.church. We'll yeah. put some information in the uh, description section here about the event coming up through Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society that Joel and Pastor Matt Kenitzer yes. uh, from a county nor uh, north yeah, school north county. School county will be yeah. speaking here in Lancaster County December 7th. For more information about the Lancaster Patriot, go to thelancasterpatriot.com. Subscribe to our newspaper delivered once a week right to your house. Uh, check us out. We have a lot of local stories. We have some state news, world news as well. Uh, until next time, God bless and Godspeed.